3: Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Pack Day Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Dan Kotnick, and we are debriefing after the Atlanta Falcons-Green Bay Packers Monday night game. The Packers, a 30-16 to 16 winner, moving to 4-0 heading into the bye week. And to do this, I've got the only two people I would want to break down a Monday night football win in the wee hours of the morning, and that is Matt Freilich and Janelle Mackey. Guys, happy, I guess now it's Happy Victory Tuesday. Happy Victory Tuesday to you guys.
2: Technically, it's still Monday for Jenna and I, Tuesday for you. Technically, well, for <laughs> me it is. Regardless, we're not going to get into semantics,
3: but um, awesome win.
4: <laughs> Dan's living in the future.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm already I'm already celebrating Victory Tuesday. <laughs> As you should
2: be. I mean, it's a fantastic win. Um, it'd be a little bit different if we had to record this late at night and Packers coming off a loss or a letdown versus an 0-3 in team, but... Awesome win, great team win for the Packers, and I'm excited to talk to, about it with you guys.
4: Yeah, hard to really beat going undefeated into a bye week, and I know earlier in the year when the schedule came out, it's like, oh, week five bye, and now it's like, thank God for the week five bye, because guys are dropping like flies, so yeah, going in 4-0, but really, really need to rest up.
3: Yeah, for sure. And like I was kind of telling Matt before before we came on, thank God we won this game and that it was entertaining to at least watch because if we had to stay up the slate to talk about losing to the <laughs> Falcons, that was going to really suck. <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully we're not talking about that. We're talking about another all-around great performance from this Green Bay Packers team. Like we said, 30-16 to 16 winner over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Aaron Rodgers came in tonight, tonight. Uh, Still doing Aaron Rodgers things, 327 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, but the the whole story, guys, leading up to this, and thank God actually that there was football to watch before this game, so I didn't have to watch the pregame for this for our game and listen to. Well, who's he going to throw to? The, these wide receivers are all out. Here's here's the combined catches for every receiver on the team right now. So thankfully I didn't have to listen to that, but a somewhat controversial decision to hold DeMonte Adams out another game after Adams tweeting that he was ready to go. Kenny Clark got sat out. Mercedes Lewis didn't play today. Rashawn Gary missed. So the decision, guys, as you look back on it, hindsight 2020 now, was that the right decision to keep Adams and Kenny Clark? That has to be yes now, right?
2: I mean, it's definitely yes. It makes us look a lot smarter as podcasters to be able to come on here Um, after a win and say yeah you know they were able to pull it off with backups um, third string guys for receiver but if you'd have told me that Robert Tynan had three touchdowns I wouldn't have believed you Um, to that point Jamal Williams eight grabs 95 yards fantastic but if you looked at just the box graph for the game and looked at what the receivers did you'd probably be a little bit concerned that the Packers um, actually lost this game and but they were able to get contributions across the board. Like I said, um, Tanyan's coming out game three touchdowns, huge game for him. Obviously looks like him and Rodgers have some chemistry. Kenny Clark not playing, thought that was kind of strange. Um, And we'll allude to it later in the episode with Julio Jones going out with an injury. So it could have been the opposite for the Packers.
4: Yeah, and when I saw this morning that Devontae Adams was going to be out, I was actually pretty shocked because it sounded like he was confident he was going to play. But you know, medical staff, they make their choices and luckily we have guys who can step up it was kind of nerve-wracking with Adams all of a sudden being out and then obviously Lazard with his core injury kind of losing the number one and number two it's kind of who's gonna step up and yeah like Matt was saying Tanyan was the guy who stepped up tonight but realistically I'm not super nervous because I think that the Packers have really good depth even if outside looking in it doesn't look like it but I mean, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones can go out there and line up like a receiver and make great catches and also run the ball really well. So, this offense, I think they have the depth they need. And I mean, the young guys, Shepard and Taylor, got involved too. So, I was worried, but I wasn't at the same time, if that makes sense, because I am confident in what Aaron Rodgers and these guys practice at, pra- like, how they practice and what they're doing and kind of preparing for this. They, they had a feeling Adams would be out. So obviously they have to practice like he's going to be out. So I think obviously they came in and showed us that maybe people can skip the narrative about not drafting a wide receiver because they're fine.
3: Yeah. And, and that's what I've, uh, I, and this has been anyone that kind of knows this team, I think has, has said this and, and tried to say this, this is the scheme. This is, this is what the scheme is designed to do. The scheme is designed to work no matter who is being put into its place. We're so used to the system of Mike McCarthy that required people with better talent to beat the other talented guys to make the offense work. That's not what it is anymore. It helps when those offensive guys are more talented like Devontae Adams and Al Lazard, but it doesn't, it doesn't require that. And I think today was proof positive of that. I don't care... How depleted the Atlanta Falcons defense was. This proves you exactly what the system is when it's working properly. This is just another example of what the offense looks like under Matt LaFleur when it's running 100%. Let me ask you a hypothetical though Does the narrative change if in that fourth quarter the Packers give up the lead or they win in overtime? Or, you know, it it gets a little bit closer. Does the narrative change about the offense at all if this game ends a little bit differently?
2: I would say it could possibly change, and I would hope realistic Packer fans wouldn't look at it being an offensive issue. You score 30 points without two starters on your um, receiving core, um, and at this point, you know, if you have a letdown like this and the guys of Julio Jones aren't playing Mm -hmm. and they're throwing to random receivers, like, it's more of a defensive issue. So hashtag fire Mike Pettin would have been drumming up. There's no doubt about that. Um, you can't really you know, rely on the Packers' offense to continue to put up 40 points. They put up 30. They could have easily supplemented another touchdown if they would have had Lazard, Devontae Adams, in their or Mercedes Lewis. So it's uh, it would have definitely been mm-hmm. a uh, fire Mike Pettin Tuesday morning, but um, thankfully that didn't happen.
4: Yeah, exactly. I would have agreed with that. Uh, I think... Defense-wise, that's still kind of the Achilles heel, especially the tackling, which, oh my gosh, we could probably have a whole segment on that, but <laughs> this offense, I think, is, I mean, when 30 points is their lowest scoring game, I'm really not that worried, and that's with missing uh, Lazard, Adams, and Lewis, so that part doesn't scare me, but yeah, the defense, I think they could be what skews the narrative, and if they give up the lead, it's, okay, well, now the offense has to go into a shootout with the Falcons, again, which seems to be kind of their history with them, high-scoring games with no defense. But luckily, the defense really stepped it up tonight. This is probably the first time I'm actually genuinely happy with what I've seen, aside from the tackling, like I said, but just kind of coming out strong, three and outs and setting the tone for everything, and then the offense goes and puts up seven. So I think they started strong on both sides, which we have not seen yet. So I think this was really, really important.
3: Now, see, the issue with your guys' take there is that it would require people to think critically and, and look past just the, the win or loss <laughs> for for deciding that, you know, even if the Packers did lose this game or get, it gets closer, like, it doesn't change the fact that this offense is working, right? Like, and, and that you didn't need Devontae Adams in this offense to work. That's, that's the main point is tonight showed you don't need a guy like Devontae Adams to make it work. It makes it work a lot better but you don't need it. Um, let's talk more about that offense, though, guys. And there's a lot to get to with this, but we have to start with one guy, Big Bob Tanyan, coming out here on Monday Night Football with the hat trick. Third Packer tight end to do it, Keith Jackson and Jermichael Finley, the other two. Bob Tanyan adds his name to the Packer record book. What... The heck. Have a heck of a night, Bob Tanyan, right? Like, this is that's insane. No one expected this. No one expected it. I mean, you could maybe see it come in the last few weeks,
2: but uh, <laughs> shout-out to Bob. I mean, three touchdowns. I was i was calling him um, Big Bayou Bob last <laughs> week during the New Orleans Saints game, but now he's just hes just Bob Tanyan. Maybe Robert. I'd go with real uh, government-issued names, but incredible to see him step up. He had an opportunity because of... Mercedes Lewis out. Obviously, the receivers that we talked about were out too, um, but he's really proving himself in his third year as a guy to make a huge step. And like credit to him, like you know, it seems like he's been on the team longer than this. Um, undrafted free agent. Obviously, they showed that they picked him up from the Lions at one point. But for him to, do, to be able to come into his third year, kind of similar what receivers do um, in their junior season, be able to step up and produce. Um, and getting shouted from his boy and his mentor, George Kittle, liking what he's doing, but a uh, big Robert Tanyan game. No one expected it. Maybe you could see the writing on the wall for a touchdown, but not three. Yeah,
4: I mean, six receptions, 98 yards, three touchdowns. That's a heck of a night. I was excited to get to use the term hat trick in a football game, so <laughs> I was pumped about that, but yeah, just huge game for him. And yeah, I mean, Matt, I know in previous episodes, like years ago, we've talked about how Rodgers, when his number one goes down, He kind of favors that tight end position. So with both Lazard and Adams being out, and then Lewis, a guy who he likes to target as well, maybe Tanyan, depending on how long these injuries last, I mean, hopefully Adams is back for week six, but Tanyan could become another huge target and then maybe steer away from the younger wide receiver guys and kind of steer more into the tight end, which I've said I think the last like couple weeks that I really want to see this tight end group get more involved because I think that they have a lot to give, and Tanyan is showing that tonight. And I've been waiting since he won that home run derby like three years ago <laughs> to really have his breakout game, so this is really exciting.
3: Can you imagine what Bob Tanyan could be doing at this point if he was this kind of involved in the offense Last year, I know that he missed a pretty good amount of time with injury after that Dallas game. But imagine if that, in that second part of the season, when they're trying to force those passes into Jimmy Graham, instead it's Robert Tunyon. You know what I mean? Like this is this is this is why you have to give so much credit to not just Matt Lafleur but Brian Gudikunz for actively going out and scouting out these players, finding players to fit the system. That's what they did draft wise and that's what they've done with undrafted guys like like Robert Tunyon, and he pays off in this system here. Um another guy we have to talk about on the offense guys is probably the most I I think he was the most underrated player tonight, which is crazy to think about cuz he probably had the best amount the best game stat wise was Jamal Williams, right?
4: That's exactly what I was he, thinking.
3: <laughs> he led led the team with receptions. Only three yards behind Robert Tuna with 95 yards, and also put up. Uh, it was 10 yards rushing, but he kind of got put into some some bad uh, bad spots rushing wise. But I mean, that's that's a hell of a night, and he he really almost plays like second or third fiddle to, to, to this whole offense.
2: Yeah, and if you guys are following um, Dan and his squad over at Game on Wisconsin, um, especially with the Jamal Williams show, some fun, great fundraising going there, you would know. That with them talking to him, him him over the off season, that his body type, he's worked on his you know physical attributes. He's worked on his catching skills. Like he's developed himself into mm-hmm. a receiver, and finally we're able to see that. Now it was pretty obvious to me watching him the first few weeks of the regular season that he's definitely changed. He looks similar to like that Aaron Jones slashing type instead of that Jamal Williams straight down the field, um, maybe a little hop jump, but. Jamal Williams is definitely, definitely added to his repertoire and it's awesome to finally see that highlighted in the Matt LaFleur offense I don't know if we would ever got this type of production out of him in a Mike McCarthy offense or a different offense, I mean, the willingness to use and interchange a few different running backs and you know gadget type players is fantastic and, you know Finally he had a breakout game and it's another breakout game as we were talking earlier. Robert Tanya has three touchdowns, almost hundred yards receiving for Jamal Williams. Unfortunately, he couldn't get in the end zone on that fourth and one. Um, you know, eight rushes for ten yards. Not the best production that way, obviously, keeping the defense honest, um, supplementing Aaron Jones, letting him get a breather at times, but really, really great to see Jamal Williams find a coming to his own.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you guys saw on Twitter as much as I did, all of a sudden it's where's Aaron Jones? What's going on with Aaron Jones? I wasn't even really that worried because I really liked the way Jamal Williams was playing tonight. I thought it was more his style game. And he has that relentless run mentality that I absolutely love where it takes four guys to drag him down and he's still fighting for the first down. He almost has fullback mentality as a running back where he just kind of, he can go along the edge, but he also has what it takes to just push for that first down or push for the extra yards. And I love it. I love how different they can be because then you can utilize them differently, and if Aaron Jones is getting stopped, it's not like they're going to stop Jamal Williams, because they're very different, and I've said this before, I feel like, so I really liked what Jamal Williams is doing, and I'm just kind of looking this over now, no rushing touchdowns on the night, all four touchdowns in the air, which is a little different, because I I was expecting a big run game kind of day, and the running backs were very involved, but it was more in the air, which is kind of weird to think about, so... They were very involved in both, but all touchdowns in the air today.
3: Well, you know, they were like a half yard away (laughs) from getting that one. And can I, before we move on to the defense, can I just say the one thing that I, the thing that sticks out to me still is I don't care who is calling plays back there. I don't care if it's, it's Vince Lombardi. Well, okay. That I, I take that back. I would care if it's Vince Lombardi. Quit running the ball out of the shotgun on fourth and goal at the one yard line yeah it drives me up a freaking wall well, now this is i don't get four it four
4: weeks in a row that it's like we're right there where's aj Dillon? Yeah. he had one carry tonight for three yards just kind of thrown in there kind of really no context as to why he was in there but it's like week after week it's like this is what you drafted him for you're right there why not at least try it i just don't understand yeah
2: yeah, I don't understand that. I don't see why he doesn't get a carry there, um, especially on the goal line. Let him punch it in. Granted, that would have been his first touch of the game, so maybe they weren't confident um, in him just getting into the flow of the game right away. But really, at this point, like he needs to be in the game. He needs to be a focal point, especially that's what you brought him in for. That's what you drafted him for and those right. quads. Like, so let him get after it, and maybe he'll get an opportunity later in the game only having one rush for three yards. Um You'd like to see more from him, but maybe he's developing and getting more confidence from Matt LaFleur throughout his uh, rookie season.
3: Yeah, had one rush. I think he, I thought, no, I guess he didn't. I For some reason, I thought I saw him get a uh, a reception. At least he was at. Yeah, I thought
2: he had a reception too, but it must have thrown it to him and dropped yeah. it.
3: Or it
2: was a penalty. I'm not sure, but um, you'd like to see him get more involved.
3: Yeah, but you know what that that's a small that we're picking nets at that point if we if we're trying to find stuff about that. Not so difficult to pick nets about is this defense. Right? Um granted they're 4 no and they've done everything you've asked from them. They've come up for with plays when they when you need them to. They're not they're not world beaters but they're doing everything you need them to. However, the miss tackling has to stop. If you're gonna do anything this year, the miss tackling has got to stop. I mean, it's horrendous, guys. Like, help me out with it. Like, where where is this coming from? Or, or what's the change?
2: What do you do? Yeah, I can't stand seeing that, Dan. Like fourth and one, you go into shotgun. Like, yeah. it's just basic math. Like you don't want to have to run the ball further than you need to. You don't want to throw it into shotgun. Um, line them up in goal line, pound the rock. It's like my Madden side of me, right? Like Dan and you and I know, Dan, we're big Mm -hmm. Madden guys. Like just run the rock, fullback dive, get a little halfback dive, a little trap situation. So um, confusing to see run out of goal line doesn't make sense. Maybe, maybe if I went back and looked at the tape, I would think it was possibly an RPO to give him the option to throw it. But um, it just doesn't make sense to run that out of shotgun there. Um, I I don't agree with the call, but um, that's why he's getting paid and we're not.
4: Yeah, you really hope that this is something that, like I said, I feel like a broken record saying it, but you can't ignore the fact that the tackling is a huge weak link in this defense, and there's so many times where a tackle for loss turns into a gain of five, and it's just really frustrating. The point of contact on the defense to when the guy actually goes down is too much time gone by, and whether it's their – physical enough to escape the tackle, or it's just a poor wrap-up, tackling high when you should tackle low, vice versa. It's just something's got to get worked out here where even, like, at least one person slows them down, and then you get the help, like Matt was saying. Where's the help, then, to bring them down? It seems like there's just no good chemistry when it comes to the tackling, and then it turns into five missed tackles and a gain of 20, maybe a touchdown, whatever it may be. I didn't see it as much tonight. It wasn't as bad, but... It's still just so frustrating and definitely the thing they need to work on.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like we, we've seen it now a couple of times where, I mean, well, last week, Alvin Kamara will make you pay. If, if you if you do, if you don't wrap up, you don't gang tackle, you don't you don't make the play when you have the chance to make the play. Stars are going to beat you. You're not always going to be playing. Uh, you know, no offense. You're not always going to be playing the Atlanta Falcons every single week. Some, somebody's going to make you pay eventually. Um, one thing I really want to highlight with this defense, though, a come, uh, like a surprise come out party in Week Four for Zadarius Smith. Yes. finally came out and had the game that we, the type of game that we saw last year, had three sacks. And I don't have it on the ESPN stats, but did he force? Two fumbles
2: or just one? I believe it was the one where he thought they actually recovered the ball where he knocked it out of Matt Ryan's hand um, on that third sack. But, yeah, just one. Matt I was going to say, hand.
4: statistically, he has zero, but he did punch that one out. It just went back to the Falcons.
3: Yeah.
2: Which okay. is
4: it's but, good to see him get hungry, though, for the ball. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, that, that kind of game, I mean, leading the, leading the team in tackles, had four tackles for loss, five QB hits, and three sacks like that's classic Zadarius Smith you know and hopefully that's a that's uh you know a trend for for things to come and um right and the problem with these injuries right now without Kenny Clark playing without
2: Rayshon Gary you know Z's got to put his hand down in the dirt getting that three technique and just having him have to do that doesn't really let him you know be as versatile as you'd want i mean granted they're still moving him around a little bit in certain situations obviously on that uh, fumble you you mentioned Dan um, he lined up over the left guard, blew up that play, so he's still getting after it. Um, and you'd like to see, in my opinion, Preston Smith get some work. Only had two tackles on the game. Definitely reminded again why he's a liability in pass coverage with a few flat routes that he was not able to cover. Um, I'd like to start seeing him get involved a little bit more. Maybe that'll happen once Kenny Clark's healthy and Rayshon Gary and they're able to put him in his um, you know, specific position role he's supposed to play he's not as, as versatile as a Darius Smith in my opinion so at some mm-hmm. point you would hope that you know, Preston will come into his own at some point not to get too negative into this episode but um, eventually I think it's all going to come together yeah. when they come off the bye week and they're healthy
4: yeah obviously like there's a lot of negatives that we see on the defense but tonight was also a night of a lot of positives obviously Z going and getting the sack trick and Raven Green also tallying a sack and uh a lot of good stuff. I mean, Amos with the dagger, obviously, like, has to be the biggest play on defense of the game, really breaking up that touchdown pass. I think that kind of ended it for Atlanta, really set the tone, like, nope, making the stop here, and I think it was good to see him, because he kind of seemed quiet throughout the game, so it was good to see him go make that big play. A uh, couple concerns, obviously, with Savage. I think what he go out with a concussion, was it, ruled? Yeah, mm-hmm. So, but luckily heading into the bye week, hopefully in two weeks, that's not anything of concern. Um, Really, I was pretty impressed with this defense. Aside from some poor tackling, I really liked the way they stepped up, applied the pressure. Jair was phenomenal. You know, guys just – Kevin King had a really good day. All these guys that you were hoping to see step up, stepped up, and it was really good, and you can see when the defense is that much better – it helps the offense a lot more because they don't have to rely on, okay, well, we have to put 40 up on the board because our defense is going to allow 35. They allowed 16, which is great. And to be honest, I never like to undermine the Falcons because it's not like they're a horrible offensive team. So if our defense is having an off day, they could have easily put up 30 as well. So it was really good to see the defense come out the way they did and finally shut down what could be a solid offense and hold them to low points.
3: For sure. One one more thing to talk about with this defense is the 98-yard drive, 10 minutes, 19 plays. But the Falcons only get three points out of it. And uh, I saw Andy Herman on Twitter kind of doing some back and forth with people on this. Andy calls it a win for this defense. And I tend to agree with him because... If, if you put a team on their own one-yard line and force them to run 19 plays like that, nine times out of 10, they're not going to be able to do that. The Falcons were able to do it this one time, and to only come away with three points out of it, that's a pretty—I think that's a, that's a pretty big victory, especially like what you were kind of saying, Janelle, against this offense, which can put up points. Like, they were able to move the ball. They were moving the ball. To hold them three out of that kind of drive, I think is a win. What do you guys think? What do you take out of the the that big drive by the defense?
2: I hate to be this guy, Dan, but it was twenty plays, nineteen offensive, twenty was the field goal. <laughs> no, man, I think, I think, right. yes, I think
3: you're, I think you're technically right. Yeah, it's because because the because the kick because the kick is yeah because the kick is the twentieth play. But yeah, crazy. Just ten
2: plus minutes, twenty plays, ninety four yards. I mean, if they go and score on get a touchdown. It, it's terrible, but it's awesome to be able to see 19 offensive plays for Mike Pettin, be able to dissect the offense a little bit mm-hmm. of what the Atlanta Falcons are doing with Dirk Cutter, and you're able to kind of scheme around them with that huge sample size of offensive production. Um, granted, it'd be a different conversation if they shoved the ball down our throats and punched in with five more yards, but all in all, like to see all those plays you can have on offense and... Matt Liffler gambled, right? I mean, he, he saw that they went three and out to start the game, the Atlanta Falcons. He gambled and said, hey, we're going to put you on the one-yard line at the very worst. Go ahead and try to go down 99 yards. And he took a risk, and it almost backfired. Luckily, um, it's a definite win for the defense. Uh, you stop them on one-fourth down. Obviously, they converted the first one before that. It would be crazy to go for two-fourth downs, in my opinion, down in the red zone. Um, but it was definitely a win for the defense, and awesome to see all that on tape for Mike Pettin and his defense.
4: Yeah, I think only allowing three points on that is the win part, And I'm going to play devil's advocate and just say, I mean, you don't want your defense to be out there for too long, get tired, and then all of a sudden your offense goes out, has a three and out, and then you come back and your defense is tired, and then they go stack seven on the three, so there is some concern with... Mm -hmm. Leave like having the defense out on the field as long as they did but they didn't look tired in those 10 minutes which I think is crucial to why they only got three points because they played solid that entire 10 minutes so I think that goes to show they're conditioned well but I also get nervous when the defense is out there that long because you don't want them to burn themselves out for future drives but yeah I think only allowing three points I think that part is the win but you know I have to be a little negative here sometimes (laughs)
3: Yeah, no, it's definitely by no means ideal to give up a 19 play, 20 play, excuse me, 20 play, 20 play drive, 10 minutes. That's not ideal. But yeah, to only come away with three points has to be big. So as we kind of look forward a little bit here, guys, obviously going into Vi week, you would expect really everybody unless unless I'm unless we kind of see something come from this game injury wise come out this team should be close to 100% overall I mean Christian Kirksey and you know Kadar Holman like the the middle linebacker crew kind of was standing um you know the the offense should be close to 100% Kenny Clark comes back that's a huge thing um so obviously this bye week comes at a great time to bolster the roster injury wise you know injury guys come back but Justine Anderson in the middle of this game broke the news that Damon snacks Harrison visiting the Seahawks on Tuesday and then has a plan to go visit the Packers on Wednesday. I have no idea uh, how to read the tea leaves into the schedule or how if, if it changes because the Packers are going into a bye week and that's more intriguing because then you get more time to get into the system and go through quarantine and that kind of thing i have no idea what it means but what do you guys make of it snacks harrison finally committing and saying here's the schedule i am confirming to go to the seahawks and to the packers
2: i love it i mean def- definitely could use some help get get snacks some more snacks <laughs> and uh you know maybe yeah at this point i mean i think it, I think it makes sense in a normal year you'd want to bring a guy in on a buy, especially now Um, with COVID and having preseason and, you know, the pandemic, you want to go through the regulations, so having that extra time to bring him in, make sure he's tested, Um, and maybe at this point they're just giving him just a look, just to drum up the money for the Seahawks, make them pay a little bit more, but you add Damon Snacks Harrison to a healthy Kenny Clark, Kinsley Kiki coming to his own, Um, you know, you have the role players, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, it frees up Z'Darrius Smith, as I earlier said in the episode, and it's just... it it's a great opportunity to bring him in. Maybe they sign him, maybe they don't. Maybe there's kick in the tires, like I said, to make Pete Carroll and uh, GM Schneider pay a little bit more for him, but all in all, I think it'd be awesome to see him, and he'll be coming on uh, Wednesday to take a look at the Packers and see if he can fit into this Mike Petten defense. And if you're Snacks Harrison, like, why wouldn't you want to come to Green Bay right now? You're not going to have to have a huge role, maybe just be a sec- first and second down dude, but Come and play with this culture. This chemistry is sky high right now. Like, who wouldn't want to be a part of this and take a you know run at the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl run?
4: Yeah, truthfully, the only word I can use to describe this season so far is fun. I think Rogers is having fun. Mm-hmm. We're having fun. 4-0, it's great. Uh, yeah, if Snacks comes and joins the team, that's a huge bonus because I, I would rather beef up the defensive line than add a wide receiver to this squad. So I think... There's a lot of good going on for this team right now, and it's just straight-up fun. Like, I'm having fun. I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) that's, like, the narrative. I haven't been as stressed, which is also fun. So, watching them put up so many points and just... The whole team as a... The team as a whole, just, they look so as one. And I think that's so important, you know? You can have all these negative headlines all over the place, but they're showing their own narrative that they're one team and they're all having fun together, all celebrating together, you know, even old man Rogers in the celebration cameras. It's just, it's been an awesome year so far. So hopefully that continues after the bye week.
2: And I'm sure there's something that um, Dan will come up with for Florial Friday just to make sure he highlights the, uh, the national media.
4: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see what they yeah. come out with that Dan can make fun of.
3: <laughs> i got uh i got some things cooking up don't don't worry about that yeah that's Have coming. to
4: wait and see. <laughs> and there's a,
3: yeah yeah um but yeah so so wrapping up guys 30 to 16 win packers are four and oh i think i saw for the first time since 2015 like that's that's huge um the quarter you know quarter of the season is over now um let me just let me end with this question cuz it's the last thing I saw on Twitter before I jumped on here. Is it too early to start making a push for either Aaron Rodgers MVP or Matt LaFleur coach of the year? Great question. I think right now if you look at the
2: quarterback play, right? You have Aaron Rodgers, it's pretty diluted. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson, how could I forget? <laughs> gonna say that's your madden boy dude i know he carries my dead carcass and madden all the time (laughs) (laughs) but realistically like the mvp race is a little diluted right now or it's you know it's top heavy where coach of the year i feel like it's wide open um you know you obviously have those names in there like bill belichick andy Reid, john harbaugh those guys are always going to get recognition but i think matt lafleur is at the forefront right now for a coach of the year fantastic start to the year really just has a huge energy with this team just like last year but i think yeah why not give him a give him a chance at uh, winning the NFL coach of the year
4: yeah i mean with only being 4 games into his second year with the packers you would never even know that he was new to the system last year i mean he's what 18 and 4 overall with postseason and regular yeah. season and that's almost unheard of and he's such a young coach and this it just all seems to be meshing so well and I know we were kind of worried last year when he was coming in. Okay, well, is there going to be kind of this bump in the road trying to learn everything? We haven't really seen that. Everything seems to be flowing really well, and team's looking great. So, yeah, I like you kind of said, Matt, the MVP race is a lot closer with players. Rodgers is definitely in the conversation, and down the road, maybe we'll get a better outlook on what that's going to look like. But, yeah, so far, Lafleur has really showed no signs of slowing down with this team. And, I mean, compared to the other veteran coaches out there, he looks like he's doing the best right now. So, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to talk about that through four weeks of football.
2: And I know today, as we record this, uh, Bill O'Brien is fired after four games on the job in the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. And the other NFL coach down in Texas isn't doing the best right now either.
3: No, they, they were, there was calls from fans after week one to have him gone. The, the temperatures are getting colder, but the seats are getting hotter all over oh the NFL. God. And that is, that's a, that's a professional corny ass way to to wrap up a podcast. So let's get the hell out on that note. Um, but again, Packers 30 to 16 win over the Falcons. They're moving to 4-0 going into the bye week. Like Matt said, they're going down to Tampa Bay in two weeks. Um, Make sure you are sticking with us here throughout the the bye week for the Pack Day podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Um, you can follow all three of us on Twitter. I am on there at DK All the Way, guys. Where can, where can uh, people find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at matt underscore fray underscore. That's at m a t t underscore f r a.
4: You can find me at Big Mac underscore four. Mac is m a c k
3: awesome and uh until next time guys enjoy the bye week take some time off i know i'm going to be enjoying a full sunday of of red zone this let me just say the past three weeks fantastic yep. i get i get three weeks in a row of just straight red zone and it's like shooting straight into my veins i, lo- I love it so enjoy the bye week everybody take some time off relax enjoy the weather while you can and until next time go pet go, go peco. Peco.